This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I'm Helen Farmer and you are listening to Farmer's Kitchen on the Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast brought to you by Spinneys. We were in conversation with some big name chefs, Michael Mina, Pierre Gagné. We were talking produce and broadcasting live from the DP World Tour Championships. Also, a bit of fun, a bit of food, a bit of golf. And I have to say some incredible ideas for where to go over the weekend. Great to have you with us. We are broadcasting live from Jamira Golf Estates, day two of the DP World Tour Championship. And we've got a special guest joining us who's keeping everyone very cool indeed. Marcella Sancho is the co-founder of House of Pops, something that I see every single day, Marcella, because you are in my kids' school's cafe. For anyone who's not familiar with you and the business, tell us a little bit about how it got started and what you're bringing. Well, thank you for having me you're today. You're welcome. Um, Actually, it just started out of personal need with me and my partner. We were always looking to refresh ourselves, you know, Dubai weather. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't find anything like really natural or, or, yeah, really refreshing. Everything is very heavy in the market in terms of ice cream. So my partner has extensive experience in in the ice cream business. Really? And uh, (laughs) I have a culinary background as well. So it just made sense for us to partner together and and take up uh, the challenge of building uh, the gap. You said that, you know, that kind of natural ingredients. Tell us a little bit about what's been happening behind the scenes in terms of sourcing and tasting and some of the flavors that you've developed together. So everything is 100% natural. There's no preservatives. There's no food colorings. Um, we're plant-based, so there's no animal products in our popsicles. Um, we sweeten our pops with organic agave, um, which has the lowest glycemic index. And another important, very important thing is that we don't pack our popsicles with plastic. We use a compostable film made out of starch, oh, um, wow. so we're plastic-free as well. Okay, I want you to make us hungry now. Um, you've, you've renamed for a limited time some of your most popular pops with a bit of a golf theme, of course. Can you talk us through some of your favorite flavors? Definitely. Well, that's a gimme. That's the star. Uh, it's our mango uh, popsicle. And then it's followed by the outbounds, which is our chocolate popsicle. Those are two main uh, stars. My favorite is the strawberry. I think because it tastes like strawberries. You know, it sounds like such a silly thing to say, but we get so used to having ice creams and ice lollies that feel like they are strawberry flavor or banana flavor or, you know, coconut and it tastes a bit like sun cream. doesn't taste like what a coconut should taste like. Does that make sense? 100%. Yeah, you can find in the market full of flavor, artificial or natural. But um, for instance, our strawberry popsicle has around 75% of strawberry in it. So it's actually a fruit and a stick. So it's limited edition renaming, also limited edition packaging here at Jamira Golf Estate. So we've got, we've got the bunker, the eagle, the par, the four, the out of bounds, the buggy, the birdie, and that's a gimme. Do you have a favorite, Marcella? Yeah, I'll go for the strawberry one. With this weather, it's the perfect one to go for. Well, thank you for keeping us all very well refreshed indeed. I think you've made us everyone very hungry. I'm going to get one for my walk back to the car as the sun is setting and wishing you a wonderful, wonderful weekend ahead. Thank you. Thank you. We are getting you in the mood for the weekend, and what a weekend it's shaping up to be here at Jamira Golf Estates. Joining us now is Graham Glynn. He's the operations director of the DP World Tour for Middle East. Graham, goodness me, thank you for making time for us this afternoon. It's great atmosphere here. Thanks, Helen. Thanks for having me on. 
It's um, amazing. We've got a huge crowd here all day today and, and yesterday as well was extremely busy. I think a lot of people, well, we know kids finish school lunchtime on a Friday. I think a lot of parents are perhaps helping support them in their future golf decisions by finishing work a little bit early today as well. So good family feel. I think so. And it's a a good career to go into. Well, tell us a little bit because we've got a couple of bits of news really, haven't we? We do. Um, For the first time in our 14 years at this tournament, we have sold out. And not only... One day, but both days over the weekend are completely sold out. So, guys, if you have registered for those tickets, my goodness, use them, because they are in absolute massive demand right now. I'm sure your phone's going off the hook saying, do you know just one little person? What? No, you need, your name needs to be done. You need to have those tickets. There's no point in turning up. Uh, the next couple of days, as you said, fantastic sporting action. But loads happening um, for families. We've got Ladies' Day tomorrow. We've got Family Day on Sunday. Can you outline a little bit about what's in store? Yeah, Family Day is a, a really exciting day for us. We have a dedicated kid zone with lots of activities, such as face painting, balloon bending, um, slime factory, Uh-oh. always popular. Always very um, popular. And not with me, um, <laughs> as my children well know. Um, but we've golf-themed arts and crafts. We've also got some live entertainment um, with a circus workshop. Uh, Magic Phil will be on site um, so always sad. popular behind Chris McCarty hardest working man in Dubai Magic Phil <laughs> he, really he is, is really really good <laughs> um, we've got a drumming workshop singing princess and we'll uh, sign off on Sunday afternoon with a bubble wow. show and then tomorrow it's ladies day we had the guys from Suited and Booted in the studio mm. yesterday they are going to be judging a best dressed competition and quite the prize ladies if you are coming down you could be winning your very own suit from Suited and Booted there's also going to be a couple of drinks some golf lessons glitter station pamphlets so plenty going on over the weekend and I think you know we're kind of blissfully ignorant about what happens on the you know an event of this scale going you know things been going on for not just the last year but beyond that what does it take to put on an event such as this um it takes a lot um a lot of people a lot of hard work a lot of dedication a lot of sacrifices Mm -hmm. um we start planning this event 12 months ago like when we've started already for 2023 on the changes we'll make um, we work so closely with some, some of our brilliant and suppliers, our, our sponsors and partners, find out what they want, what will make the event better for them. Um, and then throughout that 12 months, we, we work on putting that together. Um, and we started building 10 weeks ago. Well, uh, so it's, it's absolutely worth it. The brilliant, brilliant atmosphere. And as you said, an awful lot of work going on behind the scenes. And what do you think it is about... DP World Tour in particular that attracts obviously the crowds, I mean my goodness selling out this weekend but also the players as well, you know, being held in such high esteem in the community and the the field. I think there's a couple of reasons for it Um, this event is obviously the culmination of a a season long effort by all of our players and to qualify in the top 50 and to make it to Dubai is a huge achievement so they're always very keen to get here Um, I think Dubai as a city is always very attractive. Um, At the end of November, there's no better place to be in my book. You know, yeah. they've been working really hard and hopefully having a bit of time off after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> after I think Sunday. A bit of R and R after this one. Um, the weather is just about starting to cool down. It's gorgeous now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we'll expect um, probably sixty-five thousand people in total over the uh, tournament, and we get a, in around eighteen thousand of those from abroad. So we get. A huge um, influx from international guests. Goodness me. Well, as I said, huge congrats to you and the team for a job so well done. Execution's just fantastic. The smiles on the faces, you know, around us from, you know, the, the giggles of the trick shots to hmm. seeing the guys for, you know, Heroes for Hope coming down and 
the schools as well. It's been, it's been really lovely over the last couple of days. And as I said, the weekend's just going to get bigger and better. A final message, it is now sold out. That pre-registration no longer available. Um, thousands of people lucky enough to have those, uh, those golden tickets. So if you do have one, make sure you use it because it's going to be an absolutely brilliant couple of days. You've no doubt got a lot of places to go, people to see and things to do. So I'm going to let you get back to your very busy day, Graham. Thank you so, so much. Thanks for having me. Graham Glenn speaking to us. He is there as the man in charge. So an absolute pleasure to be joined by the Operations Director of the DP World Tour Middle East. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We love giving you ideas for the weekend and some places that are worth your hard-earned dirhams. And we're taking you to Turkey now with Jad Al-Shamaisiani. He's from uh, Kazibayaz in Dubai Hills Mall, all about Turkish cuisine. It's been there since 1974 and now here in Dubai. Uh, Jad, so lovely to have you with us. For anyone that hasn't really eaten Turkish food before, how do you describe it? The, the flavour profiles, the spice levels, can you tell us a little bit more? Hey, and how are you, first of all? Good, thank you. Make me hungry. <laughs> I will. I will definitely make you hungry. Now, I will tell you about the Turkish food, which is uh, it's, it's actually one of the most favorite uh, cuisines in the world. Uh, where everybody who ever tries it, it, it uh, tastes amazing and it gives them the nicer flavor. This tasty kebab, a little bit of pide with kashkaval, you know what I mean? And you end it mm-hmm. up with a little bit of baklava. The taste is just amazing. <laughs> Now, you, you've got legendary baklava. Tell us a little bit about what, what makes it so special. All right. The baklava is, is homemade, special ingredients coming from our chef, from Antep chef, which is, uh, uh, actually has a big history in making the baklava. Uh, the baklava usually uh, comes with a, in a golden layer of doughs and stuffed with uh, Antep pistachio or walnuts. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the all the people who live in Istanbul and the tourists who ever tries it, they are always talking about it as a legendary. It's a feedback of the people, not the feedback of the place. And that's where the cane coming from. That's a, I love that sentiment. That's that's really really beautiful. And, and tell us a little bit about the history of the restaurant. As I said, it's been going since the 70s in Turkey. And um, why do you think that popularity has um, has kind of been been so long lasting? Now, first of all, it's a, it's a place with, where um, it's a family-run business. It started mm-hmm. from Akasarai in 1974. And it has been grown from that onward as, uh, to, to develop the generation uh, with time. Now, uh, when Kashi Bayaz comes in town, it became one of the most favorite uh, places in Turkey because it's known as of, of specialities from chefs. Uh, chefs have uh, created, uh, have, have started in, um, in Kashibayaz and have grown with the Kashibayaz for, for the long run. Um, um, lastly, I just, I'm running out of time, Dad, but I'm just curious, for anyone that's going to come and check you guys out over the weekend, where are you located in, uh, in Dubai Hills Mall and what is your number one dish that we should be trying to really, really get a flavour of turkey and of Kashibayaz as well? First of all, uh, Kashibayaz is in the first floor of Dubai Hills Mall, and it's, uh, it's going to be opening from 9 a.m. until midnight. Um, our signature dishes are actually a lot. I would love to name, uh, to name a couple of them for you. Yeah, because, go on. You know, Turkish, <laughs> Turkish cuisine is quite wide, you know. Um, 
we do have uh, our signatures, which is uh, Kashi Bayal Sharma, Eli Burgandi, um, like Lahmajun, which is everybody knows Lahmajun, um, Iskander Kebab, Hashlama Ishdikofte, which is the Kibbe, it's known in, uh, in here. Um, and then, of course, uh, they have to finish their, their night the baklava. Cool. I know what you're uh, going to say. The legendary baklava. <laughs> Thank you so, so much your for your time today. I know Fridays are very, very busy for you guys. So really appreciate your time, Jad. Thank you so, so much. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We love introducing you to the producers, the tastemakers, and of course, the chefs too. And what a man we have for you. He's got more than 40 restaurants worldwide. He's an author, a regular on TV, Chef Michael Mina, joining us live on the line. Chef, how are you? Great to have you back in Dubai. Uh, Thank you so much, Helen. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. How is life at Mina Brasserie? Because I know you've got a great (laughs) business lunch. Has it been packed today already? It has been packed today. Yes, thank you. No. It has been packed today, and it's exciting. Uh, you know, in town, um, got got here yesterday morning, and uh, so, and it's beautiful here right now. So oh. very enjoyable. It's well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Are, are you going to be spending some time in the kitchen? Can diners have some some FaceTime uh, with Chef Michael Mina? Absolutely, that's what I'm here for. Good. So I got in here, like I said yesterday. We're doing. Um, I'm working on about 20 new dishes. And so in the kitchen every day um, until I go back on the 23rd. So in the kitchen for the next few days and uh, getting all of these new dishes ready for the new menu. That must be an interesting balance because you love innovating. And as you say, it's, you know, especially for loyal diners who come to Mina, which I know they do a lot, you know, keeping Mm -hmm. things fresh. But also you've got such a passion for, I guess, what what you call legacy recipes, you know, and I, I wondered sure. if you could tell us a little bit about some of the dishes you would never take off the menu. <laughs> sure. Well, um, probably the tuna tartare, that, mm. but that's been a dish since 1991. And, um, you know, very interesting dish because in 1991, even in the United States, uh, you couldn't really give away raw tuna even in San Francisco. <laughs> and it's just amazing, you know, when you think about the reality that there's, you know, a sushi restaurant on almost every corner now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, and so that, that's a, that's a classic. Um, we have the phyllo crusted sole. That's another classic. Um, just, you know, um, all, there's always a handful of the classics, um, the uh, macaroni bechamel, yes. which is uh, a truffle. It's kind of a play on that, the classic macaroni bechamel, but it's a, like a macaroni, uh, macaroni and cheese terrine that's done with a black truffle bechamel. And so uh, always a handful of dishes, but like you said, it's always great to innovate. <laughs> it is. Um, I, want, I always think of you and steak, to be honest, because I had one of the best steaks uh-huh. of my life in your restaurant. And it is, it, it's grilling season. As you say, the weather here in Dubai is amazing. Um, when you're out of your professional kitchen, do you often get your grill on? Do you like- bit of barbecue at home always that's honestly that's the only way i whenever i'm cooking at home unless i'm just making something quick that um it's always outside and it's always wood fire yeah okay i want i want chef michael mina's top grilling tips (laughs) can you break it down for us from (laughs) from before during and after how can we get the best possible steak on the grill okay well how how much are you willing to uh, 
how much work are you willing to put in? I can give you, uh, I can give you the way to get the absolute best, and then I yeah. can give you a quick easy. Okay. So what I we do both. with our steaks, <laughs> what we do with our steaks, um, and this is a technique that I really started with my first steakhouse 20 years ago, and it was all about, you know, um, at the time, really thinking about how do you almost the the science of kind of a little bit of reverse psychology on how to cook a steak and get it the most flavorful and most tender. And so what I started doing when kind of when the sous vide machine started becoming really popular, the the circulators took a little bit of a different approach, used the the circulator really just to keep a certain temperature. And, and that temperature is to keep it in, it's about at 138 degrees. This, um, this, create, is, uh, this yeah. is steak geekery on a next <laughs> yeah. level, Chef. I'm loving it. So, 138, yeah. okay. You know, we create, and you, and you can do this actually at home. Even William Sonoma sells these now. So it's like, a you know, you create like a uh, water bath, but basically what you do is you get butter, clarified butter or ghee, to about 100, and you get the butter uh, just around 138 degrees. And you um, poach you slow poach, well, it's almost like a warm marinade. You put mm. the steak in that with herbs and shallots, and it doesn't actually, um, none of the juice releases from the steak, but you know, you'll put, uh, you put the steak in there for about 25, 30 minutes for an average, you know, like a 12, 14 ounce steak. And then from there, you, you take it and you season it and you put it on a 900 degree grill. And so it's not on the grill that long. It chars really nice. If I didn't tell you it's poached in butter, you'd never know. Um, oh, but my you get goodness. The there are tummies rumbling. And oh, my gosh. So, and it's Chef. so tender. And if you do it, the good thing about it is you can take the butter and strain it and throw it in the freezer and reuse it over and over again. It wow. actually okay. doesn't make much better. It's kind of almost like a warm marinade. And I want your quick tip for grilling at home, Chef. We've got about a minute left. Yes. How can you make sure yes. we're having our best possible barbecue this weekend? Yeah, and so absolutely hot, hot grill, you know, very hot grill, but the uh, same, almost the same type of tip. So what you want to do is, you know, a, a little bit of oil uh, seasoning on the on your steak. Um, start it at a very hot temperature, um, get your marks on your steak, and then move it to a much lower temperature and let it cook a little bit lower and slower so a lot of the juice doesn't release. Chef Michael, and if we're going to come to Mina Brasserie this weekend, I think we're all going to be ordering steak after yeah. that. Yeah. Poetry. Um, what uh-huh. else? What, what are your... Um, so I would lo- love your current favorite starter or, or main and then a dessert because your desserts are insane. <laughs> well, okay. My, the, a new starter that I just put on the menu that I absolutely love is because mangoes are in peak season right now so it's a mm-hmm. lobster avocado and mango salad and then we do a do a saffron yogurt dressing um oh. and with a little bit of shaved fennel it's very refreshing and then the dessert is the banana tartatan with truffle ice cream 
<laughs> Chef Michael Mina, you're a bad man, but I'm absolutely loving it. Thank you so, so much. It's Thank wonderful you, to have Alex. you back in Dubai. An amazing opportunity for people right. to come down, meet you, of course, hear some of your stories. You've got, you've got a few uh, A-listers in your little black book and have cooked for some big names in the past, so I'm sure you've got some stories to tell over, over a great steak or two. So you're here until the 23rd. Chef Michael Mina, have a brilliant, brilliant weekend ahead and fantastic to have you back in Dubai. It has been far too long. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Introducing you to one of the greatest chefs on the planet, and that's no exaggeration. Legendary chef Pierre Gagnier is currently in Dubai visiting his restaurant Pierre's Titi, one of the most sought-after French dining destinations in the UAE. Chef, welcome back to Dubai. How are you? Fine, fine. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Fine, fine. Oh, you're right. Oh, well, thank you for, for joining us today. I know Fridays are very busy in the kitchen, always have a, have a busy service to get ready for, so I really do value your time and a chance to have a catch-up, really, because I wondered, you know, how much cooking are you doing at the minute, Chef? If people are coming down to Pierre Titi over the next couple of days, are you going to be cooking in the kitchen? Have we got a chance to meet you? What have you got in store for us? Yes, uh, tonight I'm in the kitchen with the team. Yeah, absolutely. We are very, very busy. It's fact. Uh, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. It's to, to receive the guests, to spend time with them. And, and the most important is, spend today is, is to spend time with my team because I don't saw them now for many, for many months. Right, so pleasure to be here with the new, right, so the, it's the winter season with the product. Uh, uh, right, so, well, I'm, 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 I'm an happy man. Oh, that's lovely to hear. I want you to make us a little bit hungry this afternoon, Chef. Can you talk us through the menu at the moment and some of the dishes that you're most proud to introduce Dubai diners to? Alors, the menu about lobster, we have the, we have the, no shrimps. We have lobster, all the vegetables for the winter, enfin, winter in Europe, hein. uh, the roots, uh, turnips, uh, mushrooms that we have, we have the, we have a fantastic fish from, from, uh, from Japan, uh, Amadai. Uh, what we have, uh, Mathieu, well, 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 yes, we have a very good value, and, and also, I think it, it's perhaps it's our signature is the sauce, because the, the French cuisine is the sauce, and I think it's like the like yes. the, the boiled in the Japan cuisine, the, the sauce, uh, the sauces, it's the signature of our work yeah, in France. Uh. Chef, can you tell us how, to, for any, anyone listening now and who might be cooking over the weekend, can you give us a very quick recipe or even a quick sauce that we could be making that would really elevate our dishes? Can you give us a quick lesson over the phone, Chef? Alors, a very quick sauce. A very quick sauce. Uh, it's the season of the, of the, of the, of the, of the agrooms. You take a juice of orange, a touch of uh, lemon juice, and a touch of uh, of uh, passion fruits, uh, and you 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 boil it during few seconds, and uh, you put mix you mix butter and uh, olive oil, 
a touch of of, uh, of, congi- of paprika or, or, or pipe or, 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 or iceberg pepper, voilà. And you can serve that with uh, with Oman uh, Oman crevette, Oman crevette or uh, or a slice of uh, of chicken that you that you that you, that you cook on your grill. You see, voilà. It's easy. Or, or with the vegetables, yeah. Chef, I wanted to ask you, as I said earlier, you have amassed so many Michelin stars across your restaurants across the globe. And as you know, Michelin has just arrived in the UAE, um, in Dubai in June, and uh, more recently in Abu Dhabi. And I wondered if you had any advice to chefs out there who would love to put on that jacket with a star on it, to, who would love to have on their wall one Michelin star, two or three. What, no, no, what, would no. you like to, what message would you give to anyone who wants to follow in your footsteps? No, no recipe. Uh, we must work. We have no recipe. We have no no stars in our restaurant in Dubai, but uh, it was not our goal to have that. But now the Michelin is there, but we we will work to to try to obtain one. What is it to obtain one? Is to be honest, to to have the good product, to have a good team, uh, and work it with passion. Day after day, voilà. It's uh, it's our mission in uh, when we are chef in uh, in a restaurant, voilà. But uh, voilà, we 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 were like the other. Uh, for us, it's a new it's it's a new battles in Dubai because uh, voilà. When we opened 15 years ago, we had a fantastic uh, gastronomic restaurant. The name was was uh, was Reflet. We closed uh, mm-hmm. six years ago. And now it's more simple, but uh, that I can that I that I can say, our restaurant is uh, honest, elegant, joyful. Uh, well, but we, oh, we have no Thank stars. you so much. I love that okay. you know you're in your 70s now and still still innovating, still traveling, still cooking, and uh, some very lucky diners get the chance to spend some time with you um, at your restaurant there, Pierre Titi, um, for some beautiful French dining. Chef Pierre Gagné, have amazing, amazing time with the team, catching up. It sounds like some amazing seasonal produce going to be introduced to the menu, enjoying some testings and tastings, and uh, very, very jealous of anyone that gets to eat in that restaurant over the next couple of days. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. From the bags your Spinney's roast chickens come in to those picnic essentials, how we package our food is just as important as the produce itself when we think about sustainability. Well, joining us now from Al Bayada, joining us is Jamil Haddad. Um, Al Bayada is there about the packaging, the production side of all of that, and shedding a bit of light now. Jamil, thank you so, so much. Um, for anyone who's not familiar, and I'm sure they are without even realizing it, tell us a little bit about what you make and create. Hi, Helen. It's a pleasure being with you here today. Um, so Thank what you. we create, and what we create, we mainly do a lot of sustainable packaging. We're, we're a food packaging company founded in 1991 in Dubai, in the UAE. So we've been doing this for quite a bit. And we've kind of established that industry here uh, way back then. And today we've shifted the entire strategy and focus to, to the sustainable packaging and sustainable future that we see with that industry. 
Jamil, I wanted to ask you, because I feel like sustainability means different things to different people, especially when it comes to food. So are you able to kind of unpack that, so to speak, for us a little bit about what it means in practice and some of the changes you've made over the years? Absolutely. That's a, that's a, that's a key question, I think. The, you know, and, and all of the discussions with our clients and also with the consumers is really about what is it that we mean by sustainability. For many people, because of uh, the, the, the media and so on, sustainability means a lot of no plastic and more paper. But for us, we, started, we sort of took a step back and looked at what is the actual impact of these products. So for us, sustainability is really about creating products with an impact on the environment that we think scientifically backed is the best product for the environment. So the way that we started looking at this really is to define several aspects. So what is a sustainable product in food packaging? So this could be, and these are the products that we've developed, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk a bit about those in a second, but really the, the, the aspects that we're looking at is creating products that are biodegradable so that they don't uh, contaminate landfills. You know, and biodegradability is one that really uh, is key to the UAE because we try to look at local solutions for local problems. And the fact that today a lot of our waste ends up in the landfill means that there needs to be some sort of solution that uh, doesn't contaminate landfills and the whole environment around it. So we look at biodegradability quite uh, importantly here in the UAE. We also look at compostable packaging uh, as well as bio-based or plant-based packaging. We look at packaging that is marine degradable, which means, you know, should it end up in the ocean, it will not uh, affect the, uh, the, the, the fish and so on, you know, the species in the oceans. We also are very keen at looking at how can we redesign single-use packaging to reusable packaging. And in fact, in Spinney's, we have quite a bit of cutleries that uh, we have redesigned to be reusable. Um, and finally, one key aspect as well is recyclability. You know, all the science points to recycling being the best way to deal with food packaging. Uh, and, and, and that is really key for us. And that's why all the products that we make, and that is, there, it's a non-negotiable for us internally, uh, is every product that we make has to be recyclable. Jamil, you you are there as the head of business business development and sustainability. It's a big job, and one I think you know carries an awful lot of responsibility because people are asking more and more questions about what are we bringing into our homes, what's going out of our homes, what can we compost, what's going into landfill, what can we recycle, and single-use plastics have been understandably under a huge amount of fire in recent years, especially in food packaging. And I wondered if you had any predictions. You know, is there a future? where there will be no single-use plastics. What, what, uh, what do you think we're working towards and how feasible is that? Well, you know, we've seen that recyclability is really the most essential uh, aspect here. The best way to, to deal with packaging is to be able to reuse it first. Reusability has the best uh, impact on the environment. However, in many cases, uh, and here we're also moving to medical applications, in many cases you have to have that single-use for hygiene purposes. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to single-use, in cases where you cannot create the usable uh, uh, products, the best way to deal with them is to recycle them. But in addition to that, what's, what we think is going to be guiding the conversation uh, uh, for single-use plastics is how can we also decrease their carbon footprint? They have quite a significant carbon footprint, and of course with the net-zero conversations that have been going on, especially here in the UAE, uh, in addition to reusability, we see that having more recycled content in the packaging is going to be one of the best uh, scientifically-backed ways to, uh, to, to, to decrease our carbon footprint. But in, in addition to that, we see that in the future there's going to be quite a big percentage of plant-based packaging. Mm -hmm. And the reason why plant-based is important uh, is because 
unlike its counterpart, the fossil-based plastics, plant-based plastics have a significantly lower carbon footprint, in some cases up to 75%, which is really significant in our industry. So by introducing more plant-based plastics in our industry, even if it's single-use, we are significantly decreasing the carbon footprint of the industry and therefore committing and pushing more towards that net zero. It's a hugely exciting area of science. I think a lot of people think, yeah, it's just not possible. But I mean, there are so many companies and individuals who are taking this as a real challenge and going, you know, what, what could we be doing? What could we try and fail and, you know, being, doing all sorts of testings and experiments behind the scenes that we will perhaps never get to experience? Um, but we've seen, you know, things like packaging made out of tapioca. You're talking about plant-based. It's, it's really, really interesting because I feel like, unfortunately, we might look back in the last 10 years and go, God, we were on the wrong side of history there. But to hear about individuals and companies such as yourselves making such strides. And the, the, the missing piece, I think, for an awful lot of people is that recyclability. You know, if, even if a product is fully recyclable, if the infrastructure is not there or the individual isn't willing to recycle and then kind of do those last steps, it is unfortunately somewhat in vain. But um, I think the, the fact that we're raising awareness around this um, and you're there leading that conversation. Um, but I wanted to bring it back to us as consumers. You know, what do you feel like when it comes to food packaging, the most impactful action consumers can actually make in a very realistic and accessible way, Jamil, to help the planet? That's also a wonderful question and one that, you know, I debate quite frequently with, with, with people, with friends, consumers that we meet. You know, we have nine retail shops across the UAE, so we also have quite a lot of conversations with them. Scientifically, uh, the best way to deal and the most impactful action a consumer can make is no matter how hard it is, and how low the infrastructure is, is to recycle your packaging. So we've developed, like I said, you know, a wide range of products, and all of which under, are under our consumer brand fund, which you can find in Spinneys, and a lot of which have been introduced only in Spinneys at the moment. Uh, and, you know, these are packaging that are plant-based, uh, packaging that are reusable. We have Gaia, which is one of our star products, I would say probably the most sustainable material in our industry. It's reusable, biodegradable, compostable, and bio-based. So it's about making these choices uh, that have a lower impact, uh, higher impact on lowering your carbon footprint as a consumer. So again, going to bio-based and reusability. So that is accessible right there. Today, someone can go to Spinney's and make the right choice by buying uh, a, a packaging or a, let's in, the, in the case of, of cutlery, uh, to buy Gaia cutlery or any other plant-based cutlery. And there would be making a significant impact on their carbon footprint. And then when it comes to end of life cycle, like I said, the best way to dispose of packaging is really to be able to throw it in a bin uh, where you are to some extent sure that it will be recycled. Mm -hmm. And we know that the government is doing quite a bit to increase Absolutely. the infrastructure. We're, crossing, we're working quite closely with them on that as well. Well, Jamil, thank you so much. As I said, really interesting to see what's been happening behind the scenes before these products reach our shelves. So really appreciate your time and your insights today. As you say, it's a choice. It's a choice of companies such as yourselves, but it's also a choice of us it's consumers to do better, buy better, and be better for the planet. Jamil Haddad speaking to us from Al Bayada International, talking about sustainability when it comes to packaging, hopefully giving you something to think about that. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We love introducing you to, yes, of course, the chefs and the restaurateurs, but also the people behind the products that you pick up 
every single week from your shelves of the supermarket. And if you like your berries, they don't come any juicier than Driscoll's. It's a family-owned business that's got more than 100 years of experience in producing berries. And if you want to get a taste of them, you, of course, can find them in spinnies. But what happens behind the scenes? Finding out now from Audrey Elise. Thank you so much for being with us, Audrey. How are you? Hi there. Thanks for having me. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. I'm so curious about what your job entails because you're there looking at different trials and genetics and new product development. I feel like it's kind of almost like a Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, but for berries. What, what is it exactly <laughs> that you do? Yes, thank you. Our overarching um, objective in research and development is to win with flavor. And so within my role, I work within research and development in Big Cinemaia, And we're really looking for the best new variety that is delicious tasting being our top priority. And um, we trial our new varieties globally and taste each new variety several thousand times to ensure consistency throughout the season for our consumers. And so I feel lucky I get to taste berries almost daily. (laughs) And um, it's a fun part of my job for sure. So what, what comes under Driscoll's? I, I think of you most famously for strawberries, but you have expanded that range recently, Audrey. Can you tell us a little bit more? Exactly. As you mentioned, we're a family-owned company with over 100 years experience in berries. Our origins are California-based, and today we're a global company with grower partners on every continent except Antarctica. <laughs> um, we're driven by <laughs> our <the> mission. <laughs> yeah, we're driven by our mission to delight consumers by aligning customers and growers. And as you mentioned, we started in strawberries in the 1980s. We expanded to raspberries. In the early 1990s, we expanded to blackberries, and most recently, in the late 1990s, into blueberries. Um, Many places in the world um, where we grow berries are still grown in soil, and some are grown in containers, like in pots. um, And actually, our Emirates-based growing is in more controlled environments due to harsher conditions. So we're really expanding not only what we offer, but where what we offer is grown. Can I ask then, when we're looking at those those tastings and those inspections, when do you know you've got the perfect berry? What are you looking for? Can you talk us through the criteria? Yes, it actually goes exactly back to our mission. And so we have three main you know, groups or people in the sense that we're looking to really prove, our, prove a new variety to. It's the customers being spinnies, for example, who is really taking that fruit to market the growers who are growing it themselves, and then the consumers. And so each of those parties maybe has um, an objective or an attribute of the berry that's really important to them. For growers, for example, a berry that produces over a long period of time, that the plant is presenting the fruit really well, that harvesters are able to find the fruit easily, for example. And then for customers, um, a berry that continues looking really nice on the shelf, that it stays bright and attractive. Mm-hmm. And then for consumers, of course, it's the flavor that brings them back. And so all of those different attributes are quite a few. Um, and when you kind of ladder those together, it does make for quite a challenging um, ex- a process to identify the perfect berry. But absolutely worth it for us, as you say, as the end consumer, (laughs) literally the consumer. Um, Can we talk about naming? Because I find this really interesting. I've always wanted to be that person that gives, you know, like nail polish the names or paints. But with berries, (laughs) there are names for the different varieties as well. Can you talk us through some of the things that might happen that we don't even know what goes on in terms of naming those berries? 
Yes, exactly. And so each, when we say variety, each berry can have many different attributes. And so we characterize those as varieties. And so it's almost like having a cousin. One cousin might be a little larger or smaller than the next cousin. And so that's how we distinguish between different varieties. Um, and mm -hmm. variety naming is done a little bit differently by each of our breeders. We have four global breeders who lead um, breeding programs for each of our berries. And some breeders might choose a theme, for example, for their program. For example, in our uh, UK-based strawberry breeding program, we have a history of naming varieties after British royalty. And so we have varieties in our portfolio, such as Elizabeth, Beatrice, Katrina, and Zara, that are all um, names of the British royalty. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm never going to look at berries in the same way again. I'll be thinking of you doing all those tastings. Audrey, thank you so, so much to you and the team for, as I said, all of those years of hard work to bring us the perfect berries at Spinney's. Audrey, too, is speaking to us from Driscoll's there. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.